0: We're 56 days till Easter. 56 days, that's that's the amount of time we have until we get to what we're calling the the end of the first third of 2020. And part of our journey as a church family in this first third of the year is our walk through the letter to the Colossians. Last Sunday, we talked about how it is God's will for us to be filled with the knowledge of His will. So that we would live a life fully pleasing to the Lord. We were reminded that a life fully pleasing to the Lord is a life that bears fruit in every good work. It's a life where we grow in the knowledge of of the Lord it's a life where we recognize that we've been given God's strength and because God's strength has been given to us we will not give up and a life fully pleasing the Lord is a life that's always thankful filled with joy and gratitude because we know in Christ there's a better day coming the will of God to fill us with the knowledge of his will so that we would live a life fully pleasing to the Lord. Now, we resonate with that idea of a life fully pleasing to the Lord. We want that life, but reality is oftentimes in any given week or month of our life, if we were asked. Do you feel like, over the last couple weeks, you've been living a life fully pleasing to the Lord? We might find ourselves more often than not saying, I would go as far as to say I've been living a life that I wish were more fully pleasing to the Lord. It it just seems that we more often would say and feel like, we're not living the fully pleasing to the Lord life that we know we should be or that we would love to be living. It seems to be the way we feel a lot of times. And so I want to make sure that today, everyone here, everyone in Liberty Hill, Everyone in our church family, everyone that's gathered to listen to this passage sees what really pleases the Lord. So we're going to take a journey together. We're going to to take, if you would, a hike. We're going to take a hike together. And in every hike, you start at a trailhead usually a sign that says the trailhead to a particular hike and the name of the hike is on that sign of the trailhead. This particular hike is named the Trail of All, A-W-E, the Trail of All. When you come to a trailhead, often you'll see a sign, a kiosk or something that gives a trail map of the entire trail. You'll see all kinds of trails on the map and you'll see the one you're going to take and the name of that trail and it'll give you some idea of what you're going to encounter. And I want to give you an idea of what we're going to encounter on the trail of all. There's going to be a series of scenic overlooks that will give us more and more reason to stand in awe. This trail is a little bit a little bit like the concept of time given in seconds. If I tell you that one million seconds is a measure of time, that's a measure of time that you can fathom you can conceive of that measure because it's around 12 to 13 days 1 million seconds if if we bump it up 1 billion seconds it's around 31 years and many of us can conceive of 31 years you you bump it up another notch to 1 trillion it's 31,000 years we just passed the point of comprehension we can still understand what is incomprehensible because we understand seconds and minutes and days and weeks and months and years. We understand the concepts, but when we say a measure of time that's thirty-one thousand years, it's beyond comprehension. You're now seeing something that, it's hard to fathom. If you bump it up in another notch of quadrillion or another notch of quintillion, I mean, you're looking at thirty-one million years, 31 billion years. It's just, it's mind-blowing. Though you understand, you cannot comprehend. That's what this trail is going to be like, the trail of all. You you begin with something you can conceive, but we're going to end in a place that, though we have some level of understanding, we cannot fully comprehend. And we are left in all. When you get to a trailhead of a hike, you've often done preparation for the hike. You don't, you don't show up at the trailhead having done nothing to prepare for the hike. Oftentimes, you, you do preparation. And I want to encourage you to recognize that everyone in this room has prepared for this particular trail. The trail of all. You, you may not realize it, but you have prepared. You've probably heard me tell the story about... Um, The lady who had some bees in her backyard and I got connected with her through somebody in our church family who knew that I took care of bees and so I went over to this lady's house and sure enough she had bees that had inhabited her owl box. She had an owl box hanging in a tree way up in the air. And bees had decided that would make a better home for them. And so they moved in and she wasn't happy about that because she wanted an owl to be able to move in there this fall. And so I got a ladder out, climbed up the tree, got the owl box down with the bees in it, took the bees home, transferred them into a beehive. And because her owl box had been contaminated by bees, I felt like her best option to try to attract an owl at her house was just to build her a new owl house. So i built her a brand new owl house i took it over to her house hung it up in that tree and about two weeks later i get a phone call and a picture sent to me and sure enough an owl has moved into her owl box meanwhile the bees at my house are doing just fine but i got that old owl box in my garage and i'm wondering what am i going to do with that i thought well wait a minute what if i hang that owl box in a tree in my backyard in this spring when bees start swarming Maybe I'll catch a bunch of bees in the owl box. So I go out there, and I hang the owl box in a tree in my backyard, and I just leave it there. This is in the dead of winter, and I feel like, hey, this is going to be great. Maybe this spring I'll catch a bunch of bees. Well, just the other day, I walked out there just checking around my backyard, and I looked up at the owl box, and lo and behold, there's an owl head sticking out of that owl box. (laughs) And I just stood there in awe. How does a story like that come full circle? Wow. Everybody's had moments where you just stand there in awe. I remember when Lindley and I were hiking in the Himalayan mountains, and we would stop multiple times along that hike because the scenery was just breathtaking. beyond. Comprehension. We just stood there in awe. I can remember when Lindley gave birth to our new little baby boy. And in my mind's eye, I can still go back to that moment of holding that little boy in my arms right after he was born and just looking at him in awe. The same thing happened with my two other kids and I understand that I will experience a new level of awe God willing when I hold a grandbaby all all of us have been prepared for the trail of awe but God designed for the awe of creation to draw us into the trail of awe where we would stand in awe Of our creator. You've been prepared for this trail. You've been prepared for this trail. Through your own personal reading of the Old Testament. Hearing stories. Even if you've not been in church for very long. You've likely heard some of the stories out of the Bible. You've probably heard the story of Israel. God's people being in slavery. In Egypt god miraculously intervening through a man named moses who was used by god to perform these amazing miracles miracles that would leave them standing in awe and it's a story of god rescuing his people through a man named moses you've probably heard that story you've probably heard other stories throughout the bible because all of the stories of the bible Are about rescue. When we went through the book of Joshua. You probably remember the story of Jericho. And Rahab being rescued. You may have read the story of Esther. Queen Esther who marries the king. And it's really surprising to everybody. Recognize that that Esther becomes queen. Because there was a time coming. When God would rescue his people. And he would use Queen Esther. You can go through all of the Old Testament stories and you're going to see one story after another of God rescuing his people. They're stories that are meant to cause us to be in awe. That God is a rescuer. But they're stories just like the stories of creation that are meant to move us to be in awe. Not of the stories of rescue, but of the rescuer himself. That leads us to the trailhead, the trail of awe. You know when you start up a trail, you're going to see trail signs. And they're usually signs that say the name of the trail, and then point a direction. Sometimes they give you distances. Sometimes they tell you about a scenic overlook that's around the corner that you shouldn't miss on the trail. And so I want to give you some trail signs as we start our journey up the trail of all. It's a steep grade starting out. It's taking all that we can to get there. And we realize when we get to the first sign that something special awaits us. Because the first sign simply says what God has accomplished. And it points up the trail. And immediately we're intrigued because we want to see what God has accomplished. We want to get to that scenic overlook and behold. and we start to think about what God has accomplished and maybe maybe what we've talked about in Colossians comes to mind maybe that first little sentence in Colossians where Paul says I am an apostle by the will of God and we begin to think about what God has accomplished that he took a man who was murdering Christians And he transformed his life to become a messenger of Jesus Christ. That is beyond comprehension. And that's exactly what God has accomplished. He's accomplished his will. And his will is beautiful to behold. Maybe you think about the fact of this little fledgling church in this city of Colossae that is filled with everybody thinking everything other than following Christ and yet God has created this little fledgling church in this community that has never seen anything like it before and he's put hope in their hearts and he will not let go of them. Maybe you think about what God has accomplished in Colossae. Maybe you think about what God has accomplished in you. And your mind is filled with what God has accomplished in his will for you. And you round that bend and you come to that first scenic overlook. And you take a look out and you see what God has accomplished. Colossians 1 verse 13. Colossians 1. Verse 13, he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of the son he loves. You want to know the summary of God's greatest accomplishment, what God has accomplished. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and He has transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. I can remember as a little boy going, Uh, On a family vacation, I was probably eight or nine years old, and we met up with my aunt and uncle, my dad's brother, and their kids, my cousins, were about my same age. And we were in Colorado, and we had hiked up this edge of a mountain. It was the beginning of summer, so there's still quite a bit of snow in places. And there's one particular slope on the side of this mountain that had a lot of snow on it. We could see it from where we hiked up there carrying black trash bags with us. You know where this is going. And the slope down this side of the mountain would gradually kind of level out towards the bottom. Where if you were sliding down there in a black trash bag, you could could slow yourself. But if you got in one particular trajectory down that hill, there was an edge you would come to on the edge of that slope. And it would literally be almost like going off a cliff. It was a steep grade. But it wasn't a lot of space. And so my uncle decided while we're sliding down he would stand in that space just in case somebody got off track so there we were going down that mountain on black trash bags and i get on my black trash bag and i start going down and i hit some ruts shoots me off the edge a little bit and i'm going down and i'm i'm heading in the wrong direction i'm moving straight towards that edge I can't slow myself down. I can't get off the black trash bag. I can't do anything. I'm headed to the edge. And right as I'm about to fly off the edge, my uncle grabs me and rescues me. When you stand at that overlook and you hear God rescued you from the domain of darkness. You know what it's like to be rescued. But here's what you've got to recognize about the domain of darkness. Every one of us have sinned. And James chapter 2 verse 10 says, If you sin once, it's the same thing as breaking all laws. It's the same thing as sinning a million times. It just takes one sin for us to go over the edge into the domain of darkness. And because all of us have sinned against the glory of God, we went over the edge. There was no one grabbing us, preventing us from going over the edge. We have all sailed straight into the domain of darkness. But God was still at the bottom of our fall and he caught us and he took us from slavery to sin and he transferred us into the kingdom of his son. The kingdom of the son he loves, there's our first clue Of what pleases God. We are standing in that overlook and we see what God has accomplished. And we see in transferring us to the Son's kingdom. The Son that He loves. We see a glimpse of what really pleases God. And God has transferred us into the kingdom of His Son. Jesus Christ is the King over the kingdom that will last forever. The kingdom that's going to make every wrong right. The kingdom that's going to wipe out the dominion of darkness. The kingdom that will stand forever. God has transferred us into the kingdom of his son. And we just stand in awe. But there's more to come on the trail of all. So we turn around and we start back up the trail and we see the next trailhead signed. And it just says, how did God accomplish his work? And it points the direction of the trail. We begin to think about how has God accomplished all that he's accomplished in my life? How has God done all of this? And we're making our way up the trail and we get to the next little spot where we see a sign that says the trail turns and goes up here and it points up and all that's on the sign are two words. In him. How has God accomplished all that he has accomplished in him? We make our way up the trail. And we see Colossians 1, 14. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins how has God accomplished this? In Jesus Christ. Through redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. If you're in the church of Colossae, when you read this, you might have thought about a scene of a slave having a price paid for his freedom. From slavery. That's what this is. Jesus Christ has paid a ransom to redeem us from slavery so that we are no longer in bondage to sin. And all the sins that were against us, we owed a debt for, He took care of in such a way that He could issue forth forgiveness of all our sins. How is it that God rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son? Because His Son ransomed us. And His Son provided forgiveness for us. We have been redeemed and forgiven in Jesus Christ. And the sign on the trail points us forward to see the pinnacle of all. And we come to a series of overlooks that we simply cannot believe there would be something better. The first overlook is verse 15, that first scene of Jesus Christ given to us in an unparalleled way in all of Scripture. I want you just to listen to the whole 15 through 20. Just take it in. Listen to this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He might come to have first place in everything for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross I can just imagine after this was read to the church at Colossae, someone whispering, Will you read that again? And after it was read, someone whispering, Will you read that again? And then just sitting and looking at Jesus in awe. What do you see when you read verse 15? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. When the disciple Philip came to Jesus, he said to Jesus, will you just show us the Father? If you would just show us the Father in John 14, that'll be good enough. And Jesus says, have you been with me so long and you still do not see? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld His Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the exact and perfect representation of the invisible God. So that Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact presentation of who He is. And He sustains everything by His powerful Word. Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. He is firstborn over all creation, not in the sense that he was created, but in the sense that he is supreme. He is over all of creation. We're past the point of comprehension. We can understand pieces of this, but we cannot comprehend. All we can do when we see Jesus is stand in awe of who he is. Look at verse 16, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together he is supreme over all creation he stood before anything was created and he breathed everything into existence he created everything and everything he created was created for his glory and everything is held together by him everything i got this little sherpa for christmas I love it. I I don't like cold weather, but I've put up with cold weather recently because I get to wear my Sherpa. Well, There's this little snag on my Sherpa. Tiny little, almost microscopic thread. I was like, I don't want that little snag on my Sherpa. So I pulled out some scissors and I cut that little snag off. (laughs) I got this gash in my sweater now. Who would have known that my sweater was held together by a microscopic thread. And as soon as I took that out, it just fell apart. Jesus is the thread that holds everything together. You take him out and everything falls apart. Everything is designed to make sense. Only when Jesus is at the center. We need to move on from that overlook. There's more to see. Verse 18. He is also the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Jesus placed himself, his head over the church, those he would rescue and transfer, redeem and forgive. He has become our head so that through us, he might have first place in everything. Now that ought to blow your mind. We're not talking about Paul who was killing, murder, killing Christians, who was changed to be an apostle. We're talking about all of us who were deep in the domain of darkness, who were transferred into the kingdom of his life, light, who were made into the church so that we might every day the rest of our lives in all of Jesus Christ help everyone around us see that Jesus Christ is meant to have first place in their life. the head of the church and he designed for us to enable the world to experience that he is first place supreme over all let's keep going up the trail and let's look at this overlook verse 19 for God was pleased To have all His fullness dwell in Him. And through Him to reconcile everything to Himself. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through His blood shed on the cross. We stand at this overlook and we hear the words ring out. God was pleased. He was pleased to take on flesh. He was pleased to submit Himself to this place and our sins and take on flesh and become God incarnate so that we might behold His glory. God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Jesus. It pleased God to send Christ the Rescuer. It pleased God To crush Jesus Christ for our sins. Our enmity against God. Was changed because God was pleased. To crush Jesus under the weight of our sin. Through the death on the cross. Shedding his blood for us. God was pleased to slaughter the lamb for you and for me. And we stand in awe. And we realize we are at the pinnacle of the trail of all, because now we see that what pleases God most is when you and I simply trust in the work of Jesus Christ Over everything else. What pleases God most. Is that you and I. Simply trust Jesus. We stand in awe of him. And we say. There is no other work. There is no other person. Worthy of my trust. Than Jesus. And in awe. We surrender to him. Because there's no one like Jesus. No one. And we just soak it in. We got to come down. From the top of the trail. And so we turn around and we make our way down. And we know that because we made it to the summit. And we've seen what we've seen. We will not be the same. We we won't see the decisions we have to make. The same we won't see the encounters with people. The same we won't see our our jobs, our workplaces, our families. We, We won't see anything the same because we're coming down from the trail of all. And we've seen Jesus. And it's changed When you get down to the trailhead, you know who you're going to encounter? You're going to encounter some other hikers who are just starting the trail. You know what they inevitably will ask you? How was it? Was it worth it? What did it look like? Was it hard? How unkind of us after being to the summit to not tell others who are starting the journey. You've got to see him for yourself changes everything. A few years ago, our family went to the Grand Canyon. When you drive into the Grand Canyon, you're going to see a sign there at the entry of the Grand Canyon. And that sign there at the entry of the Grand Canyon is a good stopping place to get out as a family and take pictures. But what you don't do is get out and take pictures at that sign, get in the car and go back home. How disappointing would that be? Now you go past that sign because you can't wait to get to the edge of the Grand Canyon and see it for yourself. And when you get to the Grand Canyon's edge and you look out and you see it, you stand in awe. And then you take a picture because you want to tell people about what you saw and we get home you show them the picture this is where we were on the edge of the Grand Canyon and what do you say the picture doesn't do it justice because when you've seen the Grand Canyon a picture won't do you've got a choice to make tonight when you get home and you're getting ready for bed? What are you going to do tomorrow? Are you going to wake up tomorrow and say, I've been down the trail of awe. I took some pictures along the way. Or are you going to recognize that the trail of awe is intended to be traveled every day because a memory of being on the trail of all, a picture cannot suffice when you've seen Jesus. He wants you to see him every day, to travel that trail of all, so that every day your life is changed. He wants us to be a people who see him, and long for him and worship with everything we are. There is no one like Jesus.